Pickaxe. Hello, I'm Wheels, the Dungeon Master for Storybreakers. Love critical role in movies like Hot Fuzz and Spotlight? Actual play series Storybreakers combines the fantasy adventure of Dungeons & Dragons with small-town comedy and mystery in an episodic tale of journalists on the hunt for the secret underbelly of a tiny town where nothing seems to happen. But excuse me if I don't think a bunch of ragtag journalists from a podunk town are actually going to be of any help. But technically, I don't come from here. When the mysterious arrival of a celebrity from the Heroes and Adventurers Guild sets off a strange conspiracy, the group will have to leave what they think they know about the world at the door, if they're ever to unravel the truth at the heart of this seemingly nondescript town. It's not front page of the Sasai Star I pull up the, the today's, like, installment of the news to see what the front page actually is. There's a big picture of a pumpkin that's been stepped on, and it says, Outrage as pumpkin stepped on. <laughs> Storybreaker Season 1 in its entirety is available for listening right now wherever you get your podcasts. With Season 2 on the way. Find out more at Dicebreaker.com. And that's the way that you start living your life if you're paralyzed by your doubts. Hi, uh, my name is, I mean, my Discord name is Ana Karenina, but uh, you can call me Karen. Okay, Karen. Um, um, I'm from Mexico. Um, I'm an illustrator. Okay. And... (laughs) Um, and just to, uh, I, I don't know if that's enough introduction. Sure. Um, Welcome, <laughs> <okay>. Karen. <laughs> Thank you. Um, well, uh, now about the question. Um, sure. I, about how I feel about my life. Well, I'm actually very happy with my work life. I do what I love and I'm financially stable. The problem is my personal life. I have a lot to learn and improve. Um, I'm currently very dependent emotionally and seriously considering to ask for a clinician to diagnose me. Um, but I'm also very dramatic when I'm feeling anxious. So I don't know how much of it is my anxiety talking or reality, which is, uh, which, which is why I tend to mix up uh, both quite often. Um, I'm scared of being alone in the future because of this. Okay. My friend circle is actually small and I worry that I might, might push my loved ones away if they get, get tired of me. Um, I edited that last part because then I realized that it was also my anxiety worrying about the future because I know, uh, I mean, I, I the, the, my friend circle is, is, um, is, is form of people that I trust very much. And I know, I mean, they've been helping me a lot and that's why I'm happy with my work life because uh, my sister and and my friend, they they really support me, but I feel like I just started trying to change and being a better person just because I depend too much on them, and and I just like base my opinions on on what they say, and it's like um, I'm always looking for someone to depend on. W- defend what? I mean, uh, sorry to to depend. Oh, okay, I see. Okay. So so when you say you're emotionally dependent, can you help me understand what you mean by that? Yeah. I mean, um, for example, when I buy something, I'm always waiting to see um, how they react to what I buy or to what I watch or or what I say to see if it's right. I mean, if I see that they like what I what I buy, what I like. Um, then I think it's right. Okay. And, yeah, so, and I and I and I never question it. I see. And what do you think about that? Well, <laughs> I, I think that it's a problem because 
I mean, they've been actually trying to help me with that, um, doing things like um, just asking me to to um, say my opinion before them. But I see that I'm always like anxious, waiting. Like it's a, it's 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 very it's very tiring because I'm always like trying to to guess it. If I don't know what they think, I'm trying to guess. Yep. And I I never I can never be relaxed. I I'm always worrying about other people what other people think, and it's very frustrating. I can imagine. It sounds like you want to be able to be comfortable in your own skin and be able to make your own choices and be confident in something because you like it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds very tiring. Um, I was about to ask, you know, what's the problem with wanting other people's approval? But it sounds to me, I mean, can you see other, other, I'll just ask anyway. You know, what's the problem with wanting other people's approval? Because you think of it as a problem, right? It's just that it's very tiring and, okay. So let's try to understand a couple of things. Um, One is, I think if you're, if you haven't gotten clinically evaluated, that's a great first step. Uh, And at the same time, I think that sometimes we think that getting a clinical evaluation or getting therapy will fix all of our problems. But what I really find therapy is useful for is helping us fix our own problems. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I think it's a good idea for you to get evaluated if you're concerned about it. And this is the kind of thing where I think like, like, you know, most human beings should probably at some point just get, you know, evaluated almost because we sort of do this with physical health where we'll screen people or we'll have annual physicals, right? We just want to make sure that everything is working okay. The interesting thing is that even though mental health is a you know a part of our health and well-being, it's not something that we like screen for or sort of check in about on a regular basis. So I think that's a good idea. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, totally. I mean, um, I I think the the reason why I hadn't considered it before is that I was worried that I might like get. Um, like if if I get a, a bad psychologist that tries, I mean, I I'm worried. I worry that I might try to depend on my psychologist. Um, yeah, so it's, it's like, like my yeah, yeah. So that's kind of tricky, right? Because it's like here you are depending on your friends, but if you get someone who's really really good at emotionally supporting you, it's almost yeah. like more addictive. And then you're going to depend on your psychologist because they're so good at emotionally supporting you. Yeah, exactly. So in a weird way, seeing a psychologist could actually make your problem worse. Yeah, precisely. Yeah. That, you know, and then, then the question is, and I think, so I think there's a lot here to talk about, Karan, and I'd love to try to break down a couple of things for you. Is that okay? Yeah, Okay. So the first is, I'm so glad that you shared what your concerns are about seeing a a, a mental health professional, because that sort of makes sense, right? If my problem is emotional dependence, and my goal is emotional independence, you're like, to see someone who is a professional at helping people who are emotionally dependent may make me professionally dependent. (laughs) That's problem number one. Yeah, totally. So, So problem number two is, so... 
you're emotionally, let's say, dependent on your friends. And then you're kind of thinking like, oh, but if I like don't become independent, I'm going to burden my friends. And then like, what <laughs> yeah. if they get tired of me and like, I'm not being a good friend. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, but, totally. But then the question is, is that your anxiety or is that legitimate? Right. So it's, well, like, yeah, that's true. it's like, I don't even know, like, if I say this is my anxiety and it's not real, then what I could end like, but if I'm wrong, I'm just going to end up messing up all my relationships. <laughs> yeah. But if it is my anxiety, I shouldn't give into that because that's me giving into my anxiety. And then like, I'm looking to them for reassurance. And then that's just causing like, that's making the problem worse. <laughs> yeah. And so that, like, that's the yeah, tricky thing, right? So even if we think about like the therapist there, it's like, what's anxiety and what isn't? Because is yeah, exactly. seeing a therapist, is that, um, you know, is that a legitimate worry or is that my anxiety? Because yeah. I can imagine that you maybe feel a little bit stuck or paralyzed. Yeah, completely. Yeah, that sounds tough. Okay. <laughs> so let's try to help you with this, okay? Thank you. So... The first thing to understand, so we're going to talk about a couple of practical things, and then we're going to talk about some more like root sort of understanding the mind. So okay. this, so in order for you to need reassurance from other people, well, so let me ask you okay. this, Karen, why do people need reassurance from other people? Um. Well, in my case, uh, thanks to to the to the guide um, and your videos, I and my friends, of course, I realize that I want um, I I need reassurance because I always doubt what I'm doing. I never know if what I'm doing is right or wrong, and I always want to be right. I want to make sure that I don't make mistakes. Okay. So there are two important things there. The first is where did you get the idea that, like, where does your doubt in yourself come from? Well. So human I, beings I, usually aren't uh, born doubting, right? So if you think about a yeah. child, a child will, like, do all kinds of stupid stuff because they don't really have the capacity for doubt. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Do, do you yeah. have a sense of when you started to like, have you always been this way or did you really start to become pretty anxious and doubt yourself at a particular time in your life? I feel like it was when I was a, a little child. Um, I, <clears throat> it's, uh, it comes from, from both of my parents. I, I feel like in, in a way it was always very confusing, which was uh, what, what, of what I did was right or wrong. Um, the rules were always changing. And whenever I did something uh, that my mother would think it was wrong, she would like, uh, if it was during a conversation, for example, she would like um, give me like a little, uh, not really hurtful, but little kicks, just like to tell me under the table, to tell me like, you know, you should stop. And and I feel like I'm always looking for that from other people. Like, um, I, I, I didn't even know that was something that was happening to me until recently. 
when I told my sister that I, during, during a conversation that I thought she was uh, trying to tell me something was wrong and she was like, oh no, I, 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 just, I just have a tick. I wasn't trying to tell you anything. Yeah. And, and, and that was when I realized that something was wrong. And yeah, Good. I feel like since then I, I'm always like looking for someone to kick me under the table and tell me to stop or yeah. do something else. So, so I think there, there are a couple of really important things. I think that's a very important story. And Karan, I applaud you for doing the kind of internal work to make that discovery. So that makes my job really easy. You've, you've already figured it out. So let's understand yeah. a couple of other things. So you're trying to not make mistakes, right? Yeah. So what makes something right and what makes something wrong? I mean, I guess there's not really something right or wrong. I, I know that I have a very black and white vision. So, um, I, I guess it just depends on what I think is right or wrong. Well, so, so I think that's what's really confusing is, is what I'm hearing is that when you grew up, you were taught that there was right and wrong. The problem is that yeah. no one ever like told you what the rules were ahead of time. Right. So imagine I yeah. have like a pet and I don't tell the pet where it's allowed to use the bathroom. And then like one day it uses the bathroom and I yell at it. And then so the pet feels bad. And the next day it uses the bathroom somewhere else. And like, I don't yell at it and it can never figure out the rules of the game. Yeah, poor dog. (laughs) Right. And so what I'm hearing from you is that you don't know ahead of time what the rules of the game are. And so the only thing in the same way that your mom used to give you kicks under the table to tell you when you screwed up, you're still looking for external people to tell you what the rules of the game are because you don't know what they are. Like, yeah, totally. Right. And and then when I ask you about it, like, what are the rules of the game? You're like, well, there aren't really rules for the game. And you're correct. (laughs) And that's why it's so damn confusing. Yeah. Like if you buy a shirt and you're like, I don't know if this is a good shirt or a bad shirt. And you're waiting for your friend to say, oh, that's a great shirt. Because, like, there's no, you know, is it a good shirt or a bad shirt? Like, I don't know. You don't know. Like, I don't think you can. Like, it's a shirt. Yeah. And and so I I think the reason it's so hard for you is because you're playing a game that can't be won. Right? You're looking for an objective right answer in a world that doesn't have objective right answers. And why yeah. are you doing that? It's, it's actually because you were conditioned to do that. Like you literally, you tried to figure things out and you're sitting there and you're just talking. And then your mom is like <laughs> kicking you under the table. Yeah. And so your brain learned at some point that like, okay, the one thing. And so then imagine what, ha- what did you start doing with your mom? When she started kicking you under the table, you had no clue why. What do you end up doing? What's the one strategy that you can do that won't get you kicked? stop or sometimes i was just like um i'm gonna be a rebel and do what i want but i just end up doing the opposite good but still feeling bad you know yeah because you (laughs) want to do something right so so that's really important so the winning strategy is to do nothing because if you don't say anything and you're paralyzed and you don't act right which is what an anxious person does we're never going to take a chance because if you never take a chance You're never in danger. 
But then what is that rebel? That rebel is the part of you that wants something, right? There is actually a part of you that knows what you like, knows what you care about. And then what happened to that part? Well, I think that part just, it's like when I get tired of just doing what other people ask me to do, or well, what I think they ask me to do, because they really don't ask me anything. <laughs> I just assume what they want or what they think is right. So when I get to like a boiling point, I just um, do whatever, just the opposite thing or just uh, something like uh, impulsive. Um, sometimes it's just like, oh, in, if in this moment I want to um, buy this uh, super expensive thing, um, I'm going to buy it. It doesn't matter what other people think. It doesn't matter if I have doubts about buying it. It doesn't, nothing matters. I'm just going to do it and screw everything. Yeah, and right? Yeah, yeah. So, Karen, let me, ask, let me ask you something. How do you keep something from boiling over? Mm, well, I guess I just have to um, turn off the heat or just, like, open the valve. Yeah, right? Just so, like, it... if I'm... If I'm cooking something, let's say I'm making rice and it's about to boil over, what do I do? Well, you, um, how, how can, I don't know how to say that. Like you uh, just take the lid off. Yeah, perfect. Right. So the only way that your rebel, the only way that your desires can break through is to break through. You don't let them out in a small way at all. So the only way that you're yeah. gonna, your desires actually come out is when you get so frustrated with feeling stuck and needing people's approval that you're like, screw it. And then all of your desires <laughs> yeah. come out in probably a slightly unhealthy way. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think the, the thing here, and, and I think chat has sort of figured this out already, but I, I think this is the kind of thing where like, first and foremost, I think you've got to let your rebel out a little bit because you actually do know what you want. Right, so well, I don't really know. I don't really know sometimes. Oh yeah, you know. You just doubt yourself. Oh well, yeah, yeah, that's right. (laughs) Right. So, so it's not. Yeah, I was. Yeah. So, so this is something to understand. What you want, your mind knows. The question, the the doubt is separate. Okay. Yeah. Right. Like, I want a slice of pizza. Should I eat a slice of pizza? The desire is still clear, though. Does that make sense? I want to slide a piece, yeah. slice of pizza. <laughs> well, that's it, right, yeah. Is it, is it a good idea or a bad idea? Is it right or wrong to eat the slice of pizza? That's where your doubt really comes in. Because once again, you're looking for an objective right or wrong. And it's yeah. like, you can, like, you know, is it, could you eat healthier things than pizza? Sure. But you're also like, Karen, you're doing pretty good. You're, you've got a job that you like. You're working on yourself. It sounds like you're working really hard. It sounds like you're spending a lot of time studying yourself and learning about yourself. And I, I'm kind of feeling like you deserve a slice of pizza or you deserve a nice purse from time to time. What do you think? I, I feel like I should say yes. <laughs> but what? I feel like what if I, if I'm just doing it, um, I think I'm starting to worry again about. Ah, good. <laughs> so keep going, keep going. Yeah. yeah, I, I, I was judging what I, what I wanted if I deserved it or not. 
Good. So, so you're on the right track, right? So here's what I want you to do. So first of all, huge props for noticing that, but what if, right? So can you finish the thought for us? Like, what were you thinking when I was telling you, you deserve it, Karan, you're a good person. You deserve to be happy in life. And what does your mind say? Saying you're not good enough yet to get (laughs) that slice of pizza. (laughs) Right. So let, okay. You're going to get it when you, when you know, when you're good. Yeah. So, so, and, and what do you have to do to be good enough? How do we satisfy <laughs> that part of your mind? It's never going to be satisfied. You should be teaching. Yeah. <laughs> it's so frustrating because, because I feel like I've been told this by my friends before. And and I always let my mind win. I always let the doubt just get the better of me. And what do you think about that? Well, I think that probably it's because I never pay attention to to what I'm doing. I, I just let it win. I yeah. don't. So I don't fight it. I, I would. I think you fight it a lot, but <laughs> but I, I think this is the kind of thing where God and you you've got to so you've got to be careful there because that thought right so I've heard this a thousand times. Why am I so yeah. idiotic that I I never learn? <laughs> what are you doing there? Right. You're, ki- you're kicking yourself under the table. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so like I think this is where now the next thing that that you can sprinkle in here is going to be a little bit of compassion. Like it's okay to lose to your mind a lot, right? Like it's a journey. You've come a long way. You have a long way to go. And your doubts are there for a reason. This is something very important to understand. Your doubts are actually there to protect you, right? Because what does the doubt say? Does the doubt say, oh, you're dumb, you're stupid? No, the doubt says, if you do this, you'll wind up being hurt. You see that? Yeah. If, I, if I'm too emotionally dependent on my friends, I'm going to drive them away and then I'll be alone. So your doubt is actually trying to protect you. It's trying to look out for you. It's, it's yeah. like a, so it's not your enemy actually, right? So th- this is where I, I want you to change a little bit about the way that you talk to yourself and sort of notice that, you know, it's like a guard dog that's trying to protect you. And also, not everyone who visits you is an enemy that the guard dog needs to be barking about. <laughs> it does feel like that. Right? So, so yeah. And that's where, like, you know, like, if you want to calm down a guard dog, if you want to teach a guard dog to trust, you don't do it by kicking the dog every time it barks. That's going to amp up its stress. It's, you pet the dog and you're like, hey, it's okay. It's okay I'm worried about eating a slice of pizza. It's okay that, like, I'm worried that this is going to be the beginning of the end. And, like, you know, there's a part of me that really wants this. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to eat a slice of pizza, and I'm going to tell the guard dog to watch while I eat this slice of pizza. (laughs) And I'm going to ask the guard dog at the end, was it okay that I ate this slice of pizza? I want you to talk to yourself in that way. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because it's operating yeah. on old information. So what you have to do is give it a new experience. So get that slice of pizza, sit down, eat it. The guard dog is going to start barking and be like, hey, just let me finish the slice of pizza and then you let me know if this is a mistake or not. 
<laughs> that sounds great. You've really come a long way. I'm I'm honestly very impressed, Karen. Thank you. I mean, I didn't do this by myself. Um, thank you so much um, to you and Healthy Gamer and everyone who comes on stream. I feel like I, I learn a lot from all of you and I'm very um, lucky to have uh, my sister and, and my friend, which uh, always support me and ask me, I mean, such good questions. Um, of course, I feel like now I'm ignoring what I did. <laughs> but, what? But yeah, I thank you. So let me ask you one last question, Karen. Did you help someone else today by coming on? I, I think I did. I mean, how does that feel? <laughs> it it feels great. Um, I I hope that if anyone is listening, um, you're not alone. <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. You're making me tear up. Uh, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. <laughs> Take care. Seriously, I appreciate you. Like I'm so because like I think you did a great job of sharing with other people. Like I mean. I think a lot of people have the kinds of thoughts and struggles you do, which is what we're all about. So thank you very much for coming. And good luck and oh, enjoy you. yourself. <laughs> thank you. Take care. Okay. So let's just summarize real quick, okay? So anxiety is like, is super tricky. So the problem with anxiety is sometimes we've, we've got like social anxiety, right? And we're like, okay, if I'm emotionally dependent on my friends, like I need my friends for emotional support. And like, that's okay. Like that's what friends are kind of there for. But then it's like, if you become too dependent on them, you're going to drive them away. And then the problem is like, well, wait a second, hold on. Is that my anxiety telling me? That I'm going to drive them away, so that's not, like, actually false, and I'm not going to drive them away? But what if that is, so if it's my anxiety, I'm going to ignore it, and I'm going to continue being emotionally dependent. But that could sabotage your relationship. And so then you have to, like, stop for a second and try to figure out, okay, wait, is that my anxiety? So, like, should I become more emotionally independent, or is this my anxiety, or what? And even in terms of, like, and so it's kind of tricky, right? Because you don't know, like... Is giving in to your anxiety being emotionally dependent or is giving in to your anxiety not being emotionally independent? It's like, I, I don't know. Am I supposed to be like conquer my anxiety and be a better friend? Or am, am I supposed, I, I, it's just impossible to figure out. And so that's where there are like a couple things to keep in mind. The first is understand that your doubt, essentially requiring reassurance from other people comes from a doubt in yourself, right? So when you don't have faith in your own conclusions, your mind naturally goes to someone else. That's the only way it works. The tricky thing is if you're plagued with this cycle of doubt in yourself, chances are that cycle of doubt was instilled in you. And what we heard today was that there's essentially like a set of experiences where like our brain doesn't know what the rules are. Anytime a child grows up in a situation where the rules keep changing, they can't figure out what's right and wrong. And if you can't figure out what's right and wrong, you can't act with confidence because are you doing the right thing or are you doing the wrong thing? If you know you're doing the right thing, then you can act with confidence. 
And so we sort of carry this thing with us, and it's trying to protect us. And what it does is it keeps us from acting. It paralyzes us. Why does it paralyze us? Because if we do something, what if it's a mistake? Best thing to do is nothing. Because inaction is safety. And then we start to feel very paralyzed and stuck in our life. So if you want to get through this, Godwin illustrated this beautifully. You know, first thing is you've got to understand where did your doubt in yourself, where was that born? And recognize that that doubt becomes actually like a guard dog that's trying to protect you. At the same time, just because a dog grew up in a really dangerous neighborhood and barks at everything that goes by, the dog learned the right lessons for that situation. But as we grow up, as we change neighborhoods, as our life evolves and grows, the rules of the past don't necessarily translate to the present. And so then what we've got to do is be very careful on a moment-to-moment basis of paying attention to that dog and learning how to kind of calm it down, right? It's not beating it up because eventually what happens is sometimes we even cage the dog and we keep it far, far away. And then we sort of have this explosion and we act very rashly because we're so tired, we're so fed up of being inactive and being unable to move. We get so frustrated with ourselves for feeling stuck that we get this burst of like uncontrolled motivation and we make really rash decisions that cause us problems. And when they cause problems, by the way, what does the dog say? The dog says, I told you so. You shouldn't have acted at all. I tried to keep you from making this mistake. The solution is don't act, don't act, don't act. I told you so. I told you so. I told you so. And then it tells you again and again and again, you stay stuck, you stay stuck, you stay stuck. It builds up, builds up, builds up, explosion, and then the cycle repeats itself. So notice that doubt. And the key thing here is that if you get an overflow of like emotion that leads to some kind of rash action, the key thing there is you've got to vent that out a little bit at a time. You've got to figure out, okay, like you actually know what you want. You just doubt that it's the right thing. And so the way to move forward is to acknowledge that there's a doubt and to move, take a tiny step forward. What can your doubt tolerate? What can the guard dog handle? You know, it can handle a little bit. It's like watching very closely, but we could start with something simple. Like, okay, I'm going to eat this slice of pizza. Let's see how I feel about myself. Ask the guard dog. Talk to yourself because it's actually looking out for you. It's not your enemy. It's a survival mechanism. And as you start to take these little steps, as you look at the root of where you started to doubt yourself, as you start to look at the way that your mind works, hopefully you can start to take steps forward. You can start to rehabilitate the dog, rehabilitate that part of your mind that's terrified that you're going to make a mistake. Because at the end of the day, whether you have a slice of pizza today or not, like unless you're like lactose intolerant or you know, gluten intolerant or something like that, you can have a slice of pizza. Like It's not going to be the end of the world. And that's the way that you start living your life if you're paralyzed by your doubts.